We are here to share our stories, experience, and give a platform for others to talk about the no-nos. We are not medical or healthcare professionals. Anything heard here is just based from our human experience, and should you have any medical or mental health challenges, we encourage you to seek professional support. Our content isn't suitable for children, and please be aware it may be triggering. This is Chelsea. This is Catherine. And we're we're talking talking about the no-nos. We kind of have a little bit of the the virtual delay on there, but it's okay. It's, It's the quarantine life. Quarantine life. Yeah, so, you know, we'll go with it. So on today's episode, we're talking with my good friend Lauren about anxiety. And I was just, one, so grateful that you're coming on here to talk with us, Lauren, because I think you have such amazing nuggets to share with us from your story and just what you've experienced because I have seen firsthand how incredibly hard you have worked and the incredibly difficult things that you've gone through. So um, I'm really, really excited that you're here to speak with us and to just share your experience. And um, yeah, I don't know. I was just so grateful and happy. I was thinking about it and just that you're you're one of my dearest friends and I've known you the longest out of pretty much all my friends, I think. So I was like, oh, she's going to be she's going to talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> so um, thank you so much. And before yes, we thank you, Lauren. Yeah. Thank you. Before we got started, we wanted to just kind of define a little bit what anxiety is. Anxiety is a normal and often healthy emotion. However, when a person regularly feels disproportionate levels of anxiety, it might become a medical disorder. And that was found from Medical News Today. And then we're reading your quote bomb, which is from Paul David, which that's an easy name to say. So thank you for that. Um, You'll never get better until you stop trying to get better. That's so good. I love it. It's a major one. It was, um, yeah, I, one of the things that I really appreciated about, uh, his book, um, was that he is, first of all, he is not an author Mm. (laughs) and he is not a professional. His book isn't the most eloquently written, but I appreciated him because he was telling his own story, which is exactly what you're doing with this podcast. You're just having people talk about their own experiences, um, And so it was really easy to listen to what he had to say because he was speaking alongside you, not over you. Mm. So um, I picked that quote because after years of dealing with anxiety and talking to psychiatrists and psychologists and reading books and articles and watching videos Mm. and uh, studying the physiology of the human brain, that was the quote that when I read it, a light bulb went off in my head that maybe my anxiety wasn't actually an enemy to be destroyed, Mm. but rather an ally that I was misunderstanding. That is so good. Can you say that like one more time? I'm like, you just need to repeat that because I know someone's trying to go backwards right now to that. Uh, uh, it was the moment I realized maybe my anxiety was not actually an enemy to be destroyed, but rather an ally who I misunderstood. Mm. So good. So Lauren, can you tell us a little bit about what your experience with anxiety has been? Yes. So basically 
I just want to say first, I was brought up in a very well-meaning family that showed me love the best way that they knew how and with the tools that they had at the time. So um, I love them and I appreciate them. And they, it was, growing up was interesting. So basically, I come from a long line of mental illness, depression, anxiety, uh, Mm. people having panic attacks, substance abuse, addiction, bipolar issues. There's a lot in there. Um, And from a really young age, my mom struggled really heavily with uh, manic depression and bipolar. And um, it was a lot of she just wasn't there. And little kids need their mom and Mm -hmm. she was there as much as she could be. But, um, it was a lot of watching her and not really understanding because I was just a kid, um, watching her go through trial and error with different medications. This was something doctors were still figuring out. They didn't fully understand what was happening. So Mm -hmm. she was on antipsychotics and just all, all myriad of different varieties of pills. And I would watch her physically change and mentally change from all of it. And Mm. you just never knew who she was going to be, if it was going to make her more manic or if it was going to make her sleep for a month or if it was going to make her, um, you know, clean the whole house with a a toothbrush or if it was going to make her angry or you just, you never knew. So um, that was obviously really exasperating for my immediate family and for my extended family who tried to help the best that they really knew how. But, you know, as a kid, you hear the whispers and you see the frustration. And so there was a lot of that always lingering around the house. Um, And then as I got older, being angry about seeing and experiencing these things. And so um, when I really started to, my first panic attack was actually when I was in kindergarten, not kindergarten, elementary school. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember exactly, um, I'll, I'll get into that story later, but in my twenties, it popped up again, really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, especially after I got married. And so after having all that experience and frustration and confusion with my mom's depression and seeing how people reacted to that, when it hit me, I was so confused and so terrified and embarrassed. I was ashamed. Um, I was angry. I felt desperate. I felt like a failure, like a burden. And all I knew is I wanted it to stop. I wanted it to stop now. And I couldn't make it go away by my willpower alone. Mm. So So that leads to my story. (laughs) The next phase of my story. Yes. (laughs) so when you said you feel like you felt like you were a failure can you talk a little bit more about what that feeling was now that you can see it probably with more clarity at what you were feeling like a failure for yes so a lot of the adults in my life they didn't really same as the professionals a lot of professionals were still learning about the nature of anxiety Mm. and whether it was biological or environmental, things like that. Um, and so if the professionals didn't really get it, the tip, your typical person isn't really going to understand it. So a lot of people just thought, 
my mom was lazy. My mom wasn't trying hard enough. Mm -hmm. And that came out in a lot of frustration and talking to me as a child. And more and more as I got older, your mom is this way because she doesn't do this. Your mom's Mm -hmm. this way because of this and that. And there was some sympathy for her, um, more sympathy than empathy. Mm -hmm. And that just translated to me as I'm not going to be that That is Mm. the last thing that I want to be because it's so hurtful and I feel so ashamed and embarrassed of her. Mm. So then when you started struggling as an adult, like you were saying in your 20s, it felt like everything that you had worked so hard to not be is what was happening. Is that like kind of what what you're saying there? That's a hundred thousand percent what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. It was a shock. Yeah. <laughs> I was shocked. <laughs> so what are the different things that cause anxiety and phobias? So I want to be careful when I approach this subject because I want people to know that whether they believe that anxiety is biological or environmental or mm-hmm. a combination of the two, the result, like either way, there is hope and treatment available, period. So, um, a little note about biological. Uh, some people think you are born mm-hmm. with, you know, something wrong with the receptors in your brain or overproducing adrenaline or whatever it is. And my thought, my my quick thought about that is just, again, I'm not a doctor. Um, I think that if something like hemophilia, which is the inability for your blood to clot, if that can be a thing, why can't there be a physical problem with the human brain? Why, why can't there be, you know, something that you're born with now, what a lot of people are starting to understand scientists and thank God, the general public, thank God people are talking about this more and it's becoming more mainstream, less taboo is, um, that a lot of it is caused by information that we downloaded in our childhoods that is not serving us anymore. Mm. So neuroplasticity, which I know you've talked before about on your show. I love it. You love neuroplasticity. I love it. Is the brain's ability to reorganize itself by forming new neural pathways. Um, So most humans have the ability, we have discovered, to completely heal or cope with an abnormality um, that Uh, For example, the brains of people who are born blind, their brain will compensate for blindness by heightening their other senses, like taste and smell and hearing, like, it's amazing. Um, So we're also learning that a child's amygdala, so your amygdala is the part of your brain that's responsible for your flight or fight response. So you see a lion oh my gosh, there's a lion, you run. That's a good thing. Um, Now, depending on what kind of environment a child grows up in determines the size that their amygdala will grow to or shrink to. So if they're in an environment that's abusive or just full of panic or whatever, their amygdala is going to be bigger. God designed their brains this way so they can protect themselves. Right. It's a survival mechanism versus a child who is in a more healthy environment. They're not going to have that same panic response to everything. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. here's the part where people get stuck and the part that takes work. 
The trick is separating the real threats, the real lions from the perceived threats. Um, So my first panic attack was in elementary school. Like I said, my grandfather was driving me to um, the bus stop to meet my classmates. We were going to take the bus to Disneyland. So on the way, I'm a little kid. I'm excited. I have like butterflies in my stomach. And all of a sudden, um, I had the thought when I felt the sensation in my stomach, one, what if I throw up in front of my classmates? Mm. And two, my parents will be so far away, they can't protect me. Mm. And that was my first panic attack in elementary school. So obviously there was no lion, but my brain's reaction since that for many years, anytime I had a stomach upset or the mention of Disneyland was I would start to get anxiety and I would panic. So that is a great example of two triggers (laughs) or Mm -hmm. phobias. (laughs) Um, Hopefully the exact definition of a phobia. I hope I'm getting that right, but it's definitely a trigger. So Lauren, I want you to talk a little bit about therapy and medication. Yes, please. Definitely. Um, When those came into your life and mm -hmm. all of the things about it. (laughs) For sure. That's, that is so important. Um, and, uh, I was just remembering Chelsea was in my wedding party. Catherine was um, there too. Yes, you, Catherine. So Catherine, just so everybody knows, I had probably the first major panic attack in my adult life, the day of my wedding. Mm -hmm. And Catherine was doing my makeup while I threw up into a bowl. Mm -hmm. And my angels, these ladies are my wedding angels. (laughs) Did I handle it good? (laughs) Oh, oh, yes. Oh, you so did. Both of you saved saved my life. Um, I was able to get married. So that was the whole point of the day, right? Yes, your hair and your makeup looked amazing. Yeah, you looked beautiful. I'm not like saying that about that sounded very like, I'm amazing. No, I'm just saying like, none of that like deterred how beautiful you looked on your wedding. Thank you. Photoshop also helps. It covers a multitude (laughs) of sins. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, All of that to say, that was a big kickoff for starting to seek treatment in my 20s. And um, so my road to recovery included both therapy and medication. And I am a very strong proponent that the two always need to be married. They cannot be, or excuse me, I should say, let me, let me rephrase that. If you are going to take medication, you need to be in therapy. If Tell us you why. are in therapy, you don't always need to take medication. Mm. Okay. Break, break that down. Break that down. Yes. So, um, since my, um, road to recovery included medication, I want to talk about some of the misconceptions that I have had, excuse me, and that a lot of people still have about medication. And I want to kind of just break it down. So, um, I, I used to believe that taking medication was for lazy people that didn't want to do the hard work of getting better on their own. Mm -hmm. That was one. Um, I'm going to go through like my reasons first 
and like yes. the argument Dude. after. Good. So this is good. <laughs> two, that the anxiety was completely my fault. So I was completely filled with hopelessness and shame because I'm like, I created this problem. How in the world do I get out of it? Um, for me, since faith was already a huge part of my life, right. um, I believed that God was maybe lovingly using anxiety to teach me a lesson. And I just wasn't getting it because mm-hmm. maybe you didn't I didn't pray hard enough. I didn't pray hard enough. I was too sinful. I had oh. unresolved sin in my life because, you know, I heard that that's stuff mm-hmm. I heard in the church, which is super gross and which Ugh. needs to stop. And so I will gross. give anyone my number and go slaptastic on anyone who's spreading that lie. <laughs> or <laughs> real. Slaptastic. <laughs> Give him a number. Um, And uh, the other one was, yeah, that I didn't have enough faith because that is one that gets passed around. If you had more faith, this wouldn't be a problem. Mm. Um, And then also that medication makes you a zombie and it's a form of a mind altering drug so that you can't hear God speak as clearly. If I take this, it's going to mess with my relationship with God. Mm. The other, the last two was that if you take medication, you're relying on that instead of God. And lastly, that if I went on it, I would become addicted and addiction's never good. And right. But <laughs> those or, are really, or you would go straight to meth after or something. Exactly. No, I'm doing meth. No, I'm doing meth. <laughs> That's right. I came here to get better and now I'm on meth. It's really <laughs> unfortunate how that worked out. <laughs> there's a fear like you maybe I'll be on it the rest of my life and what does that mean and so those are big lies that continue to circulate and um really majorly in the church as well and I that is something I'm really passionate about breaking down um because okay so I'm gonna get into the, the answers to those um So a word a lot of people throw around is medication is a crutch Mm. and oh, crutches are bad. Crutches are what you do when you're supposed to be doing something else. But when you think about it, crutches are awesome because crutches are there to help you continue to function while you give the hurt part of yourself a chance to heal. Right. Like, oh, that's real good. Right. Are you going to kick Tiny Tim's crutch out from under him and tell him he's bad? (laughs) Like, who are you? Right. <laughs> if you break your leg, like, are, who's yelling at you? Like, why did you get a cast on your leg? Ew. Like, you should just be walking on that broken leg. If you were stronger, you would just be walking on that broken leg. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, this is a tricky one because you can see a broken leg. You can only see the shadow of something that's going wrong in your brain. Right. So that's trickier for people. Um, The next one is, sorry, going back to number two, um, that the anxiety, believing the anxiety was my fault. Mm. Um, So anxiety is so often a result of the programming that you receive as a little kid during your downloadable years. I'm doing air quotes here. Um, And we don't have any frame of reference to filter what information is true, what's going to hurt us and what isn't. We're just in survival mode. We're just kids. 
So you are not responsible for the information you downloaded in your early years. But thankfully, when you know that there's a problem, you do have the power to seek help and transform your brain now. But you don't have to be ashamed and embarrassed and feel guilty about struggling with this ever, ever. Preach. Preach this um, <laughs> the third that God was believing the lie that God was using this to teach me. Um, I have learned so much about God since then that I didn't understand initially. God does not torture us to teach us. That is not something a loving God does, has ever done, or will ever do. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell, saying it in a really nice voice. Oh, look at you. You're just, you just don't get it. That's all. Like, hello. How often do we hear lies whispered to us so sweetly? right? Those are much easier lies to digest and think that they're true. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one that I don't have enough faith is why I have anxiety. Um, God is actively with you and supporting you on your journey with anxiety. Even when we cannot feel him, even in our lowest pit, he is there. He is working on your behalf and he wants this freedom for you more than you do. So big truth. Um, big truth. The next one that medication makes you a zombie and is a form of mind altering drug. Um, this one drives me so crazy. I cannot even. So a lot of people in the church equate the use of medication because it affects the brain as, um, Our word for pharmacy comes from the Greek pharmakia, and it was used in uh, the our Bible texts to talk about witchcraft because a lot of witchcraft that they talked about in the Bible had to do with taking mind-altering substances, Mm -hmm. and that twisted a lot of people's thinking into thinking that this is in the same vein at all. But the truth is that medication calms your brain down. So you can focus on learning how to get better, how to be on the road from recovery. It helps you hear God clearly because what science has also come to understand is that our brains are incapable of learning when they are in distress. Yep. That's why we can't scream at our kids what they need to be doing when they're freaking out, what they need is to be held and comforted and calmed first. Right. It's literally impossible. So medication just holds you. <laughs> it just helps you calm I down. I like that so description. Can, right. Like because I do feel like that is like a huge um, stigma that people say that it makes you a zombie or they won't stay on their medication because they don't like the way it makes them. And I feel like I love that you're talking about this because that is one that I feel like is still regularly talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Medication is so part of it is that 
I know something I wish somebody had told me, there are many different types of medication Mm -hmm. and under the supervision of a good therapist, they can find the right medication for you. There's medications. um, There is, I specifically can talk about SSRIs, serotonin rebutake inhibitors, um, selective serotonin rebutake inhibitors. So those basically, they block the receptors to help serotonin hang out a little bit longer in your brain. So you have a chance to recover from episodes of anxiety and panic and things like that. The happy hormones just hang out a little longer. That's it. That's all. When they first started kicking in, I did feel emotionless for about three days. Um, And that scared me. And I wanted to quit right then and there. Mm. Now, if somebody could have just told me, hey, this might be your reaction, that would have been great. My doctor was great. She kind of forgot to tell me that. Um, So that's that's a really big one. yeah, uh, sorry. You're fine. <laughs> sorry. Out of track for a second. Um, God is all for whatever is going to help us come closer to Him. Mm-hmm. So, like for example, and this is this isn't trying to like pick on um, Catholics or anything, but Rosary is not talked about in the Bible. It's a tradition. God doesn't have a problem with rosary if it's something that helps us focus on him. Right. We don't need it to have access to him. But at the same time, medicine, if it helps our brains calm down so that we can hear him more clearly instead of freaking out, he's for that. Yeah. Like it was definitely for me, it was pride getting in the way of God clearly telling me it's okay for you to do this. I want you to be, I want you to recover. I want you to heal. This is for you. Medication's not going to be part of everyone's story. And that's okay. If it's part of your story, that's great. Period. <laughs> so my, um, my two triggers going into therapy, now that we just talked about medication, um, I, they got me started on the medication and SSRIs typically take a while to kick in. Um, so, it's like about three to four weeks, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which can seem like an eternity when you are going through it, right. going through it. Um, so something I want to tell people listening really quick is anxiety for people that suffer with an anxiety disorder. This is not just, man, I really worry about a lot of things. This is, I have fallen into the pit of hell. My body feels like it's falling off a 5,000 story building and I can't stop it. Right. This isn't just like, Oh, I've, I've been anxious before. I know how you feel. Yeah. It's not. No, I'm sorry. That's, that's on my unhelpful things to say list. (laughs) Which we'll get to that too. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, So my two triggers of feeling nauseous and Disneyland, thank God, those were overcome pretty quickly with cognitive behavioral therapy. So Mm -hmm. I won't go into like triggers and phobia as much. My real struggle with anxiety was when I felt like it came out of nowhere and the intrusive thoughts that would come out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And I feared what those thoughts meant about who I was as a person. Um. You can't stop 
a bird from flying over your head. That's just, you just, you can't, Mm -hmm. it's there. You saw the bird, the bird leaves. But if you look at that bird and you start freaking out about the bird and you start chasing after the bird, (laughs) it's good. You're going to see it for a while longer. Mm. Um, So every person is different um, with their going through therapists, finding the right therapist. Sometimes it might take people a few tries. Um, I would recommend that people stick with one therapist, at least for a couple sessions, because a lot of times people I've heard, like people go to therapists and be like, well, we didn't figure anything out. I still feel like this. So obviously this isn't working. So give your therapist a couple tries. Um, if you really feel like you're not communicating well, it's okay to try different people. Um, I was very fortunate to find a good person on my first try. So anxiety, something I learned in, um, therapy is anxiety is not a mystery. It's a mistranslation. It's not something that's eluding you. Were you going to say something? I said, break it down. Oh, (laughs) Um, yeah. Anxiety is not a mystery. It's a mistranslation. Now, I finally came to the realize to the realization that anxiety is a biological gift that is innate in all living creatures. If we didn't have the ability to feel anxiety on occasion, we wouldn't get out of the way of a moving bus. We would just, none of us would survive. We would all just be like, oh, I'm, I'm hungry. I guess I'll just die. Like (laughs) anxiety is the thing that goes, oh man, I need to go get some food. Like I anxiety and hunger. I won't leave hunger completely out of it anyway. (laughs) That's a really good insight. I really liked that. That was a good explanation of that because anxiety does always have like a negative feel to it. Yes. Like that's never a good thing. It's never a positive thing. And you're absolutely right. It is a good thing that we have anxiety. I feel like anxiety is there, right, to help us move, to like take action, to make steps. But when you're suffering with an anxiety or disorder, it impairs you from moving, right? Yes. Like you're unable to make those steps because it's like just dragging you into this stuck place. Hmm. Exactly. Anxiety is kind of like anger in that it is meant to be a tool on your emotional dashboard. So you see it light up and you go, oh, okay, well, let's take a look at why that lit up. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, when you're angry, it's because there's an underlying cause. Right. Right. So, um, definitely anxiety is different than anxiety disorder. Those are two different things. So, um, that was really well said. Um, so basically no animal or human would have survived or let alone thrived without it. Mm -hmm. So my aha moment came when I realized that my anxiety was not my brain telling me I was in danger it was my brain asking me if I was in danger. Mm. That's going to be the quote of the whole show. <laughs> in my opinion, okay. that's the gold. <laughs> um, because there is a major difference that a lot of people don't understand that that's actually what is happening. Your mm-hmm. brain is asking you to interpret a signal that it's getting. 
Um, so I have the ability as a thinking person to reassure my brain, oh no, there's no danger actually. Thank you for asking me, buddy. <laughs> like, I appreciate you asking me, even though this doesn't feel great and I have to ride the adrenaline wave for a little while. Um, and that's what uh, coping mechanisms are for. That's another thing I learned in therapy for a long time. I made the mistake of using, now there are preventative, there's preventative maintenance maintenance, and then there are coping mechanisms. Preventative maintenance is basically taking care of yourself. Mm. Like if there are things that are coming up that are going to stress you out, maybe prepare for them. Like if you need a nap during the day, take a nap. If you, if you know that that's something that will help you out later, whatever, but then coping mechanisms are when you are in the thick of it, how you take care of yourself through it. And for a long time, I misunderstood coping mechanisms as being, I'm going to use this to make this stop. Mm. That is not what they are for. If your goal is to stop the feeling, it is going to fuel the anxiety. And that is where the anxiety cycle comes from. Mm. The fear of your fear. That is real good. That is, isn't that the most simple, like crazy thing? Anxiety is the fear of your fear. Mm. It's the fear of your physical responses. So different people experience different physical responses. Mine super tied to my stomach. Mm. I get sweaty, I get shaky and I get tremors. And when those would start, that's my brain being like, is there a problem? it's dumping adrenaline to ask you, do I need to fight, flee or freeze? Do we need to do that? And I have the ability to say now that I know, no, we don't need to do those things. But again, thanks a lot for dropping the adrenaline in case I needed it. Right now I'm all shaky, but my coping mechanisms, I'm just going to love myself and take care of myself while my body calms back down Hmm. versus I need to make this stop. Mm-hmm. which only causes your brain. <laughs> the more I tried to make it go away, the more I was telling my brain, yes, this feeling is bad and I'm trying to protect myself. Mm-hmm. So because my brain is my bodyguard, it would dump more adrenaline to help me get away from the danger. But you can't run away from your own brain. Because <laughs> right. we weren't meant to, we were meant to be friends. So you have a problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Yeah. That's basically good stuff, Lauren. I know. Well, I'm like, right. you just like broke down so much good stuff. I know. I know like, so I'm right going to have to re-listen to this. You this know? is so good. Even so, though I was here right now. <laughs> so people listening, like right now we're in quarantine. And yeah. so people that are already have like struggled with anxiety. Um, are you feeling, do you feel like it's heightened in quarantine or like, what would you say to the people that are at home right now listening that struggle with it, whatever it, you know, in whatever way that they do, um, what would you say for people right now during such uncertain times mm-hmm. when is, things are heightened? That is a really great question. Um, 
I would say that if you are struggling with an anxiety in a way that is interfering with you being able to function regularly, just with typical things, you need to acknowledge that and you need to seek help for it. There is no shame in it. Um, Everybody on God's green earth needs a therapist, personal opinion. Agreed. Yes. And right now, we're, and right we're now, on team therapists. Yes. Obviously, team people therapist. can't go and find a therapist right now, but there's tons of virtual therapy right now. So if yep. someone is like, yes. going through it and needs to, to seek that out, there's a lot. Of, yes. There is telehealth. They will call you. They will video chat with you. I have had chats with my psychiatrist already, and it has been great. There are resources out there for you. Thank God, Um, because we were not meant to do this alone. Mm. You are not meant, you were not created to fight this battle by yourself. Um, So getting in touch with somebody who can help, who knows what they're talking about, who can guide you and talk to you about if medication is something that you need during this time, maybe that would help you during this time, Mm -hmm. or if it's something that you just need to talk to someone about. Um, Something else, just I want to add really quick about medication is for a lot of people, they're on it for a short amount of time, Mm -hmm. and then they get off, and that's it. Some people go on it and come off it and go back and forth for a while. Some people choose to stay on it for whatever reasons. I, that's up to them. That's between them and their therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely reaching out to somebody. And if you don't feel like you can reach out, like you don't have, you're so anxious, you can't even research a doctor. Tell a friend, tell a friend, ask somebody for help looking for help. Yeah. That's great very advice. Very good, very good. And and that it's okay. Like it's a very uncertain time and a scary time and it's okay to feel oh, yeah. extra anxiety or to be struggling with that but that that doesn't make you a failure or no. set you back in your, you know, healing journey or anything like that. That just acknowledging that like, yeah, no, like that's a pretty appropriate way to feel right now. Yes. Anxiety mm-hmm. is not it's it's an anxiety disorder. I'm trying to figure out exactly how I want to phrase that. Sorry. <laughs> um, again, anxiety, a normal amount of anxiety mm-hmm. is, it happens. It happens to everyone. This is a stressful situation. The correct response is anxiety. The correct response is figuring out what we can do to care for ourselves. Right. It is when your anxiety is crippling you, right. crippling your day-to-day life. It is time to talk to someone. It is time to reach out and just let someone know. And a baby step you could take, again, is just talking to someone you trust. Yeah. Those safe safe people. people. Yep. Jinx. So my favorite part of each episode is the, what were the terrible things people told you? And what were the helpful things that people have told you throughout your experience? So this is one of the things... (laughs) I wrote down all the other things, so I'm going to wing this part. You, you um, got it, girl. <laughs> which you've kind of said a lot already in yeah. your examples, yeah. but um, Visiting. this is it's never a bad thing to reiterate <laughs> the ways that people can help do better. Support people, yeah. Do better and help support people. A lot of people 
try to help. They have the best intentions and there are definitely things you cannot say to somebody struggling with anxiety that will help them in any way. Okay. Uh, Name them. <laughs> so when you try to tell somebody like, man, I feel anxious sometimes too. Don't, don't even, don't even try. You have no idea. I'm sorry. I, that does not mean your experiences or your anxiety is less important. Um, it just means that the, they're two different experiences. This person is experiencing their anxiety in a different way and it is okay to honor that difference. And it's important to honor that difference. Um, also just telling people to pray it away. It is okay to tell somebody like, ask somebody, Oh, is this something you've been praying about? Is ask them. It's okay to ask questions. What have you been doing to take care of yourself? Is there something else? Like, can, what can I help you with? Um, it's okay to ask questions, Mm -hmm. but to just assume, especially if you are a person of faith, if any of this information has made you angry as far as like, no, that is something I believe you need to go check yourself. (laughs) You need to go to therapy. You need to go to therapy. You need to open up a dictionary. A dictionary will tell you like simply (laughs) what is happening. Start there with what an anxiety disorder actually is, because there are people out there who truly don't believe in mental illness, Mm. which by the way, mental illness, it, it encompasses a lot of things. Um, for some people, these are things they will struggle with for a long time and they need to have coping mechanisms and things in place. For some people, it will be a short time. For some people, it's situational. For some people, it's uh, a chemical. For some people, there's so many different instances. And I think when people think of mental illness, that's a big, scary idea to them. So um, it's really important to... um, just understand that that is not the scary word that people think it is. Mm-hmm. There are lots of people struggle with it and they're doing just fine. <laughs> and you will do just fine. Um, the, the idea that God is against medication needs to stop. That is a lie. It's a blatant lie and no one should stand for hearing it. So that's a hard uh, stop on that one. Hard stop. If that's about to come out of your mouth, you just go, you just leave. Um, (laughs) No, if you can stop it from coming out of your mouth, just continue to ask questions, get them Mm. talking about their feelings. Questions aren't, I can't think of any questions that would damage somebody who's suffering with anxiety. Mm. Um, As far as, I'm trying to think of what other things people, oh oh gosh, I did have a friend once go, here's a book, read this. And it was a book they had not read. Oh no. And it was the most hurtful, unhelpful thing I have ever read in my entire life. Yep. It, it, I threw the book in the trash. I was like, this is awful. So don't just, that's a very specific problem. Don't give, just hand people books that you don't know anything about. Yes. No, no. And also, also yeah, read the book first, first of all. Yeah. (laughs) Start there. 
When those things way. can be, those things can be helpful if it's like, it depends on your like relationship with that person too. Yes. If this is like your BFF that you've like, you're letting them know all the details they're like in your daily life and they're giving you those things, then it's helpful. If you're just some stranger or some, somebody at church being like, here's this book, get over your, stop it. This right. is making me uncomfortable that you can't figure this out. It's all your fault. <laughs> and like heaping more shame on your already, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, right. I think that's a difference too. Would you agree? Yes. If you don't plan on investing in this person, then what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's okay to ask people, Hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? Like, we're not going to be best friends with everybody and that's okay. Um, just check your motives before you try to help someone. Are you trying to help them because you think, you know, you think, you know, or because it makes you feel really good to ask, Mm -hmm. or do you actually truly care about this person? Right. Um, Bob Goff said that as soon as love has an agenda, it is no longer love. Oh, Bob Goff, man. I love you coming in with the Goff. Y'all know I love Bob Goff. So So it makes me happy. (laughs) So Lauren, what have been some of like your favorite, most helpful like responses from people? So favorite, most helpful responses. I can't tell you how much it made me feel seen when the people that I loved took time to go read up a little bit about anxiety so that they could understand and so that they could try to help from a place of knowledge. They invested in me. That's a good one. That is good. It was major. That is major. So showing somebody you care, investing in somebody by seeking knowledge about what they're suffering with. Absolutely. That was, that was a huge one. Um, my friends who just sat with me and saw me in my most painful moments, um, I remember Chelsea came like on several occasions, one in particular, I remember I was just, I had been in bed sobbing. I couldn't calm down my body. I was still not understanding exactly what this was that was happening to me. And she came and she just sat by my bedside and let me cry and held my hand. And I, it, it was just, it was incredible to have that. Oh, Chelsea. What a I good know. friend. That's Chelsea. Oh <laughs> That's who Chelsea is. Um, I'm a very blessed girl. <laughs> it goes both ways. So, <laughs> um, and again, the asking, asking questions is helpful. Um, being willing to go with people to their appointments, even like instead of waiting for your friend to ask, if you just wanted to say, do you want me to come with you to your appointment? That can give people courage. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to be with you when you do X, Y, Z process, when you call your doctor, when you, whatever it is, do you want me to be with you? Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. Is huge. You're dropping the gems. 
I'm, I'm going to think of like 5,000 more after this, but. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so has to stop. <laughs> what resources were the most helpful for you? Cause we love to give people like what books you loved or like if there's a website or a specific, anything that has like been really helpful, what have been some of your favorites? My books. The book that you quoted, what's the name of that book? Um, book at last. Oh, at uh, last a life. life at last. Sorry. I totally just opened up my LA fitness app instead of my anxiety app. So <laughs> forgive. Um, so anxiety no more was a website that I happened across. Like when I was laying in bed, seriously, just weeping my eyes out, just looking for anything on the internet that I could find. Um, I came across this guy's site. And like I said, at the beginning, the guy is not a writer. He's just a guy who's been there. And, um, the book that I read was called at last a life. And I just really connected. Like sometimes you have to hear the same information said a hundred different ways before one of them clicks with you. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you are not smart. It doesn't mean you are not trying. It just means it's, it's just hasn't happened yet. The information is not hiding from you. And I think that's really important that it's not a mystery. Again, going back to that quote, it is not a mystery. It's a misunderstanding. That's it. The information is there. The help is there. Man, this episode has been, I think, so incredibly helpful on so many levels for so many people. And I'm really just, again, just honored that you would come on and just share with us your story and your experiences and, you know, I've seen you, I've seen you traveling on this road to recovery and I've seen that journey. I've seen you in those really, really dark pits and I've seen you work so hard and to put in so much effort into not even just this, but into so many other things in your life. And so I'm honored to know you and to be your friend and grateful for it. It's going to make me cry. <laughs> You're just, you're one of those move a body people that when things are happening in my life, I'm like, help. I'm like, I don't know what else to say, but Lauren, please, I'm here and I need help. And so, um, I'm just really, really excited that you did this episode with us and, um, thank you. Thank you for sharing and for walking this really, really just sucky, journey of anxiety but not just not just keeping the resources for yourself for the story or experience but for being willing to speak for the people who can't yet or to give light and to give hope and to tell other people that they're not alone because that's so important and that's one of our biggest goals in doing this podcast is to say hey you're not alone here we are you're not in the dark you know, let us turn the light on. Let's stand together. So thank you for being a part of that. And we will list resources and things that you mentioned on our Instagram. So as always, people can connect with us at talking about the no-nos at gmail.com and on Instagram at talking about the no-nos. And as always, find your safe people to talk about the no-nos with.